0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Quick question for you. Do you want to go buy some hockey gear? Like some hoodies and, and shirts and cool stuff with your team's logo and players' names on it and stuff like that? Uh, you can do that at Cool Hockey. But when you do it, go to coolhockey.com THPN. Coolhockey.com THPN. And while you're there, enter the promo code THPN to get 30% off of your purchase Hockey.com has all, like, forgive me for doing this, the coolest hockey stuff. And you can go buy and take 30% off. And by the way, you've given us a little bit of a kickback through your support in the show. And we like you for that. Thanks. You are listening to the Hockey Podcast Network at HockeyPodNet on Twitter. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download them at the TheHockeyPodcastNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, Siren Sunder Podcast, Hockey Podcast Network, episode, um, hang on, hang on, hang on, 55, it's gotta be 55, dude, it has to be, I've been wrong about this two weeks in a row now, I'm gonna start just being like, hey, Siren Sunder Podcast, episode 94, coming at ya, um, yeah, there's no way I can be wrong about it three weeks in a row, right? I like, I looked uh, after the first week I was wrong and I was like, okay, now I know it's this. And the next week I was like, huh, let's not be wrong again. I know it's this, but in my head, you know, I I was thinking off of the one before and I was like, oh, say that one again, but it was one up. I got it wrong again, but three weeks in a row, you can't do that, right? It's not possible. So it's gotta be episode 55 that you're listening to. It has to be. It 100% has to be episode 55, and if it's not, and if you're listening to this and the title says episode 56 or 54 or whatever it is, it's not 55, then now you know that this is a bit that I'm just doing from now on. I'm getting the episode, if, if I get this one wrong, I'm just letting you know. If I get this one wrong, I'm getting all of the episode titles wrong for the rest of existence. Like every episode from here until the end of this podcast, I'm getting them wrong on purpose. Um, How y'all doing? You doing all right? Still, uh, getting through this lockdown time here. Um, you know, doing our things, going all over the place, not at all. <laughs> but uh, I'm still working, so I'm still out and about every every weekday, and then you know, going to the grocery store and stuff. It is what it is. The grocery stores, dude. Grocery stores are crazy now. Um, the the store. I'm sure that's. Uh, I know it's a lot worse in Raleigh than it is where I am. Um, but I'm pretty sure that where you are, probably the grocery stores are doing the same thing where they're doing like the one way aisles. Uh, dude, Hey, am I the only person that listens to that? Or what are we doing here at the grocery store? I go to, okay. It's, it's right next to my neighborhood. They, they tell you when you walk in, Hey, just so you know, we're doing one way aisles. So if you see an X on your side of the aisle, just like go down it from the other side and you're like, cool. Easy enough, um, and then you walk in, and you see like there's an arrow. If it's if it's one way in that direction, there's an arrow, and if it's the other way, it's an X. Okay, it's really uh, it's really easy to tell what the fuck is going on, and I'm walking down the aisle one way, and here comes seventy four people walking the other way, and I'm like, you guys just don't follow the rules or what? I'm all for breaking rules, but why am I the only person in this store? Following the rules, it's really annoying. Um, but also, there's like I've been to Lowe's a lot too, like for uh, for stuff around the house. And dude, the aisles. When did when did all these stores start putting their making their aisles like a foot and a half wide? <laughs> because hey, all the signs are like stay six feet away from each other. But then you go down the aisle, and if I have to go past someone, I'm within. A millimeter of them. I mean, it is insane. It's just crazy, man. Also, I think about this all the time. Maybe no one else thinks about this all the time. But at the grocery store I go to, I go to a Publix, right? It's right it's right out of my neighborhood. And every time I check out, and this is a Publix thing I guess, but the the bagger always asks, Do you need help to your car? Which is, you know, cool, like be, be courteous, do that. Uh, I understand, like, it's a, it's a nice thing to ask. And I always say, no, I'm good. Thank you, though. And 80% of the time, the person goes, are you sure? And I want to go, hey, you think I can't carry my fucking groceries to my car, man? Like, are you insulting me now? Because at first when you asked... Hey, do you need some help to your car? I went. Oh, it's a nice thing they ask. No, thank you. But thanks so much. And then when you said, "Are you sure?" I heard, "Hey, you look kind of like a pussy who can't carry his groceries into his car without struggling way too much. I should help you." And now you're an asshole. <laughs> Maybe that's just my broken brain, but that's how I that's how I see that moment. Um, so hey. If you ask me if I need help to my car with my groceries, do you think I'm a 95-year-old woman? And if the answer is yes, then let me know that so I can work on that because I don't want to look like that. Uh, but that's that's the world we're living in. Getting, a, getting away from all the nonsense, super excited for uh, episode this week. I got to sit down and talk to Michael Smith, uh, who works for the Hurricane, senior editor. He does a lot of stuff, uh, as you'll hear. Him explain kind of his his job role and what he does for the team right now and, and you know, over the last little bit here. Really fun conversation. Great guy. Uh, super thankful that he, he took the time out of his schedule to talk to me because, hey, look, if I were these people and some random guy reached out, I'd be like, who is this guy? I don't have time for that. Uh, so they're much nicer than I am. <laughs> I'll put it that way. But I'm super thankful to everyone I've been able to talk to so far. Um, you know, so thanks. Thanks for doing that. And look forward to that. We have that that guest segment coming up here. Uh, real quick before we get into that, a couple things from the league. Uh, just talking about resuming action here. Um, the Gary Bettman has said that the 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 goal of the league is to resume play with with some level of a of a regular season to be completed, and then a playoffs, um, and that. They would be willing to delay next season until November, have no All Star Game, no bye week, and just and just run straight through it, uh, which would still be somewhat of a condensed schedule. Uh, look, I guess I, I guess I'm cool with that, you know, um, because if you take out the All Star Game and the bye week, that's basically two extra weeks you've got, um, and if you start toward the beginning of November, like let's say November 5th or something like that, um, you're only starting like a week later. So you're condensing the schedule by like a week, 10 days maybe, um, and it's not, you won't notice anything. You, you might have uh, one or two more back-to-backs in the entire season and no one really notices anything because everyone's everyone's doing it. So that that's fine with me. Uh, that, that all depends heavily on whether or not they're able to Restart things here by, I don't know, mid-June to July, which, you know, I'm, I'm starting to think might be possible, though I, I don't think they'll be able to do it with fans. I, I really don't think they'll be able to do it with fans. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen until next season. So I think that what they'll do, and I know they've reached out to a few places here, uh, like in New Hampshire where no one lives anyway, so it's probably fine, uh, to do like neutral site games. Which I think is a good idea. If you're trying to to find the the soonest time to get back, you know, do it in a, in a remote area. You know, do do it outside of these big cities. Um, and what a what a time to, what what a what a cool thing for these little towns that, that might be able to host NHL games. But to me, whatever, find a rink somewhere, you know, and do it. If you're not gonna have fans, have benches and have a, a good rank that has resources to you know have good ice quality and everything and, and make it happen dude who cares uh you don't need you don't need much more than that televise it you know as long as it's got angles for for um, television cameras broadcast and everything go for it I think that that uh you you can probably see that by midsummer and then you know we can get the playoffs over by end of August maybe and then real short off season and then. Uh, next season in November. So looking forward to that, if they can make it happen. But again, that is all based on what we do, and you can do your part to help make that happen by uh, staying away from a bunch of people. And uh, let's get these numbers down and down and down so we can get this season restarted, huh? The league did uh, extend the self-quarantine through April 30th, which makes sense. Where I live, that's where the uh, stay-at-home order is anyway, and we only have like 110 cases in the entire county, which, you know, I'm not minimizing it. It's, it's cases, but it's not a huge amount uh, when you talk about hundreds of thousands of people that live here. So um, that obviously makes sense to me to extend that quarantine. Uh, the next big piece of news I have is that the players were told on a call that the salary cap next year is going to stay at a flat $81.5 million, which is the same as it was this season, uh, which is a big deal because it was it was pretty well talked about that the salary cap was going to go up, you know, a decently significant amount. When you talk about going up even two million, three million dollars the next year, I mean that's a that's a that's a big deal. It's a whole other contract you can fit in. Um, so I think a lot of teams and and probably the Hurricanes included were planning for everything as if that that salary cap's going up. Um, and with all these, you know, obviously with so many teams, every team, so many teams, all the teams, not having any revenue going in here uh, to, to the end of this season, like all these games being canceled, that that's a big impact. So it makes sense to me that the salary cap's not going up, but that's a big deal because all of these managers that planned based off of the salary cap going up, you know, they, they signed certain contracts that now they are stuck with uh, and they might not have done if they didn't if they thought that the salary cap was going to stay at eighty one point five million. So it'll be really interesting to see how teams um, uh, deal with that circumstance. I could see a lot of trades being made that uh, weren't weren't going to be necessary before. But you know, guys that teams might not have resigned and traded at a trade deadline if if the salary cap was going to stay, or uh, guys that they have resigned recently, or you know, signed a few years ago and they were expecting it to go up and it's not, uh, that's all That's all on the table to me. So um, look, looking forward to see how teams deal with that. Uh, I think that if you're talking about how that that impacts the Hurricanes, uh, it's not great because the Hurricanes have, you know, we just re-signed Sebastian How luckily Tevo Teravainen is on such a team-friendly deal. Uh, but is coming up. You're going to have multiple other talented uh, entry level contracts expiring, after that and, and needing to be signed, and um, that's just that's a lot of money coming at you. So you're you're going to want the salary cap to go up <laughs> if you want to keep your team together. And uh, you know, right now it's not. We'll see what happens in the future. But I think that this this stoppage here is definitely going to have impacted uh, the league's revenue and therefore the salary cap going forward. So uh, stay tuned. Let's see what happens with that. That's an interesting uh, little thing there. But without further ado, let me stop blathering on and uh, enjoy this little conversation I had with Michael Smith, Senior Editor for the Carolina Hurricanes. Thanks so much again to Michael for coming on the show. um, And enjoy, folks. I'll see you next Monday. All right, I've got with me here Michael Smith, Senior Editor for the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Michael, I'm sure as many people as me are wondering, uh, what exactly does that mean? <laughs> what's your what's your day to day like for a senior editor?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, it's kind of a continuation of what I started out as. So I was first hired uh, back in September of uh, 2011 as uh, the web producer, um, and that was sort of an all encompassing web writing uh, position. Uh, but over the years, it's changed a lot. The whole landscape, I think, of, of digital uh, content has changed a lot uh, in the last nine years. Um, so with that, my role has kind of uh, shifted over time. Uh, I was a senior web producer and writer at one point, now I'm senior editor. Um, uh, but ultimately, what it comes down to is is uh, digital content. Conquering- content creation uh, and what that focuses on right now is uh, namely writing and podcasting uh, though you know it's uh, it's a bit slower now uh, during this uh, pause that we're currently in. Um, uh, but that's sort of what it focuses on I, you know a number of other things, whether uh, it's being on the video board during games or uh, contributing on, on video whenever whenever I'm asked to basically. And then uh, still handling some of the website um, editing, updating things there, um, making sure information is up to date. We're actually doing a a project here uh, in the next couple of months to revamp the homepage. Uh, It'll look uh, more like NHL.com does now. Uh, All the clubs are going through that, so that's a project here uh, in the in the upcoming months that you'll see uh, Hurricanes.com go through. So, so really, that's that's sort of a high level overview of what. uh, what my job title entails—it's um, kind of vague, I will admit—but it, it, I think it's a good catch-all for uh, for everything that uh, I'm kind of involved in.
0: Very nice. Yeah, that's uh, that's a lot of stuff. So um, I'm sure you're managing to stay busy even during these times, for sure.
1: Absolutely. At least trying to.
0: <laughs> yeah. Same here. Um, well, you and I are both in the podcast world. I know you've got the Canes Cast uh, with Mike Maniscalco. Um, which I listen to if you're listening to this and you don't listen to that. I don't know how you managed to do that, but uh, you should definitely check out the Canes cast with those two guys. Um, Have you struggled as much as I have to kind of find things to talk about when you do sit down to record that now that there's not actual action?
1: You know, so right now we we are on a bit of a a hiatus right now Mm -hmm. um, with Canes cast just because of uh, a few reasons hoping to bring it back, um, soon, but we have, uh, kind of put that like the rest of the season on pause right now. But, um, at least when, you know, when we were still recording episodes, I kind of thought that we might not have much to talk about, but we ended up, uh, you know, uh, finding things to talk about, whether it's, whether we're having conversations with guests or, you know, last episode, we got sidetracked on Leonardo DiCaprio and, <laughs> and his filmography. So, um, I, I think, you know, one of the most um, fun things about podcasting for me is just the conversations that you can have with people. So, you know, I see Mike Maniscalco on a daily basis, or at least did when, you know, when the season was actually happening. Right. Um, but whenever we press record on that microphone, we always still found things to talk about. Um, and it wasn't always about hockey, and we were both okay with that. Um, you know, obviously, the primary focus of Kane's cast is the Carolina hurricanes, it's, it's the hurricanes. Um, but you know, we don't shy away from other things, whether it's pop culture, um, food or, uh, crispy beverages, you know, we, we like to talk about a little bit of everything, uh, uh to give, um, you know, to hopefully connect w- with listeners on, on just more than, than a hockey basis. But yeah, you know, for whatever reason we, uh, whenever I think even, even during the season, say we've only played, uh, a couple of games in between episodes. Uh, I kind of go into an episode thinking, "Oh, we might not have a lot to talk about," but um, maybe it's partly Maniscalco's background in radio too, is uh, in daily radio too. Uh, you know, shows that are three and, and four hours long, like they have to find stuff to talk about, and we always end up finding s- stuff to talk about. And uh, you know, hopefully, it's it's engaging. I have fun doing it. It's one of the most fun parts of my job, honestly. Um, And, uh, you know, I hope you enjoy podcasting, uh, as much as I do.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, it's interesting, right? You just kind of sit down at a mic and get your thoughts out and record it and and send it out to people. Um, the the weirdest part for me is it's not like, and I I hear a lot of, I listen to a lot of podcasts and a lot of Mm -hmm. podcasts are, you know, like comedy, you'll see like a stand up comedian doing it and they'll say the same thing. It's weird just recording it out and not having an audience in front of you but knowing that there's an audience out there somewhere listening. Um, So sometimes it's kind of weird, just like having conversations and spewing words into the void. Um, But it's really cool to me. And I'm sure you guys have way, way more of this than I do, but even still um, just the interactions from people, whether it be on Twitter or anything like that, kind of giving you that feedback that like, Oh, we're listening to this and we enjoy it and we want to be part of it. Um, That part to me has been, what's been really cool um and it's yeah. it's re- it's really nice when you can get fans to kind of engage and, and give you content as well
1: right it's a, it's a way to have uh conversation with with folks that you might not converse with on a daily basis it's um it's a way to connect to fans it's a way to uh engage with fans Um, and it is always interesting to me, like, like yourself, I I try to listen to as many podcasts as I can, and uh, most of them aren't even sports related. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's interviews with, with certain people. It's some of the longer form, um, discussions that people have and it it is just interesting to, um, kind of listen to and digest all those conversations and, um, Kind of start a dialogue with yourself on on certain things you might be thinking about, or um, you know hopefully with with kane 's cast and you know whatever hockey podcast you listen to it, it gives you maybe a different perspective to think about um, you know that game that you saw or that play that you saw, or um, you know why wasn 't this guy doing this or why did this guy do this? hopefully it gives you you know something to think about and, and something to maybe approach uh, in a different manner or look for or, uh, you know, analyze the game differently the next time you tune in. So, um, it is a fascinating medium, um, because it is a lot similar to radio in a lot of ways. Um, but it's taken on this life of its own where, um, where anybody can, can create a podcast and can start connecting, uh, with people all over the world. And it's, um, I mean, it's, it's truly a fascinating thing. Um, uh, and, uh, I think it's, uh, it's an important medium. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's good to see, um, so many, um, people diving into it and, and, and having these conversations, uh, with people that they might not otherwise get to have these conversations with. So I, I think it's, a uh, I think podcasts are great. Uh, there's too many of them. Uh, as there, there's too many Netflix shows. There's too many Netflix movies. Like you'll never listen to every podcast or watch every show or watch every movie. But as long as you find the ones that appeal to you, um, uh, it's, it's 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 worthy content that uh, that should be consumed.
0: Yeah, there's there's definitely too many podcasts. <laughs> just just like you could probably Google any any sentence that exists in the English language or any other language for that matter and some result will pop up, I'm sure that you could type in just about any topic that you've ever thought of before and there exists some podcast that's been going on since 2012 um, with (laughs) all of the records of it there. So, Hey, this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Do you know if you trim your hedges, your tree stands taller? (laughs) Did you know that? Uh, That's a little cute way of saying that you need to trim up down there guys uh, so you can do that with the new manscaped lawnmower 3.0 look uh, I've I've told you stories about mishaps in the past I'm sure you have your own personal stories about what's gone on downstairs when you've tried to trim um, it's 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 not gonna go well if you don't have this manscaped lawnmower It's not. You're going to be in the shower. You're going to be like, oh, uh, I should probably do something about that. You're going to look down, and you're going to go, and then you're going to go, oops, ow, and it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be a good time. Uh, The way to avoid that is by getting this brand new lawnmower 3.0, because if you're anything like me and or just not a neurosurgeon with a steady hand, you probably neglect below the belt. Well, Manscaped has its cover. They have completely redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawn Mower 3.0. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Millions of balls are about to be nick free thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past rejoice men all over the world. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The, batter, the battery lasts, oops, the battery lasts up to 90 minutes. You can take a longer shave that way. You don't need 90 minutes. I mean, come on. You don't need 90 minutes. What are you doing if you need 90 minutes? So what that means is that you don't have to charge this thing all the time, which is absolutely great. You don't have to worry about uh, charging it up to get going. One of the coolest features it has is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for closer and more precise trimming. That's actually very true. It's it's really nice. Uh, you don't think about it. A light, like why have we not? If you've if you've used a drill before, you know that most drills come with lights, and you don't think about it. But when you when you hit the, the button and and light lights up, you go, oh, this is nice. I can see what I'm doing more. It's the same thing. Except, hey, if you miss a screw, you miss a screw. If you miss this. You're cutting something. That's bad. Uh, but not with the manscape because it's got that skin-safe technology. You're not cutting anything. They have also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with Quiet Stroke technology. 7,000 RPMs, dude. Imagine revving your car up to 7,000 RPMs. That's how quick this motor's going. You're not cutting a damn thing. It can go through anything. I don't care how thick your bush is. This thing's getting through it. I can tell you that. You can also show it off loud and proud because it has this intelligently designed stand with a rapid charging dock powered by USB. It's like a, it's like a iPhone charger. You just plug it right in and uh, plug it into your little stand and it looks great. It looks super professional. Um, You know, it's, it's kind of like a decoration on your uh, bathroom vanity there. If you're listening to me speak about this right now, you are one of the first people to hear for yourself this life-changing product, and I want you to experience it firsthand so you can get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code THPN at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Again, 20% off and free shipping with the code THPN at manscaped.com. That's manscaped.com, promo code THPN. All right, back to the episode. Um, You mentioned... Netflix and stuff like that. I'm interested, uh, diving in a little bit of personal stuff here. I'm sure you've been at home, you know, for most of the time, just like the rest of us during this social distancing phase. What, uh, what do you do to stay sane? Is it, uh, you know, other than obviously the work you got going on when you have a break, is there a, is there a Netflix show you've been into? Is there any kind of content like that you've kind of binged on during this time?
1: Yeah. So I've tried to develop some sort of work from home rhythm and, I kind of feel like I've settled into one, but I don't, I don't know. I, you know, some days I feel more productive than others, but yeah, aside from working, um, you know, I have, my phone is basically near me at all times. So I'm usually playing a podcast on there. Uh, whether one of the, the one I've been into, uh, recently is Conan O'Brien needs a friend. Don't know why I didn't start listening to that earlier. Cause it's, it's a fantastic podcast. Um, I actually made a recommendation too the other day on Twitter for, uh, Wanna reply all's podcast, uh, where they sort of do an investigative deep dive on this song that somebody remembered but couldn't find on the internet. And then it's this whole um sort of investigative uh reporting and and digging, and eventually they discover uh the original song and it's it's a fantastic uh podcast episode. Um and yeah, then usually in the evening you round it out with a little Netflix um, maybe Amazon prime just finished the two seasons of Jack Ryan on Amazon prime. Very good. Recommend that's nice, easy watching. Um, I'm trying to think the last thing, last series watched on Netflix, maybe Ozark season three. Um, good. a lot of good documentaries on Netflix. Um, and, uh, let's, Oh, Disney plus two, uh, finally watched the Mandalorian. Excellent. Loved it. um, and sort of work in my way through some uh, some films that I haven't seen in a long, long time. Some Disney flicks. There's really good ones from the past, too. Their, their old animation films are really, really good. Um, uh, looking forward to watching Onward, too, the Pixar movie that uh, that just dropped on there. So, lots, I mean, you know, no, no shortage of, of content to consume <laughs> wherever you are, whether it's Netflix or Amazon or even YouTube. Definitely.
0: Yeah. You wouldn't want to go through this uh, predicament uh, ever, but if there was a time in history where it was going to happen, this is definitely the best time.
1: Um, Yeah. All all you need is a stable internet connection, really.
0: Right. Exactly. Um, Which, you know, we've all, I'm sure, had our difficulties with the internet and connections. Yeah. So (laughs) definitely crossing our fingers on that. But good. Yeah. It sounds like you and I have similar uh, content preferences and uh, streaming services and all that sort of stuff. So it's a, it's a good thing to do to stay sane.
1: Um, and, you know, everybody should tune in also and watch the Canes Classics. Yes. Uh, that'll begin airing on Fox Sports Carolina's beginning on uh, Monday, April 20th. Um, airing the the four wins from the 2006 Stanley Cup Final on back-to-back-to-back-to-back nights. So Games 1, Game 2, Game 4, and Game 7 uh will be on Fox Sports Carolinas. Um, and then the vault will sort of open up into some other classic playoff games. Um, going into the team's first playoff win in North Carolina in 1999 uh, in Greensboro. And then um, the team's first playoff win in, in Raleigh against the New Jersey Devils in, I believe it was 01. um so 01 or 2000, one of those. Um, and then uh, they haven't been announced yet, but you'll see some more games uh, coming soon from uh, from the 06 run, from the 09 run, uh, and I believe a couple from from last year's run as well. So a good slate of Hurricanes classics coming up if you need your hockey fix, which I know we're all, we're all jonesing yes. for at this point.
0: Absolutely, yes. Thank you for doing that. Uh, my fr- it's funny, my friends and I had just been talking about a couple a uh, week or so ago um because they've been Fox Sports Carolinas has been putting out uh, some season replays mm-hmm. of some you know crazy games that happened during the season um and we had all talked about man i really wish we could sit here and just rewatch like the 06 or 09 playoff runs that would be that would be awesome so now you can world, yeah. go go check that out that's definitely- the b-
1: the best games from them right like you don't need to see the losses right. you don't yeah. need to see you don't need to see you know, game five or game six from the Stanley cup final, because it, right. you don't really want to watch those, especially no. game six.
0: My friend actually had suggested, he was like, yeah, just replay all the Stanley cup final games. And I was like, well, no, probably just the ones that we won, because if they're yeah. going to play like, you know, game three, I'm going to be like, no, I already know that we lost. It's not really interesting
1: to watch. Yeah. <laughs> and game six was by far the worst game of the series. Um, but game five was somewhat exciting except for the end of it. Um, but then that certainly carried over into game six in Edmonton and wasn't great, but, um, game seven will be certainly one to, one to rewatch and enjoy.
0: Oh yeah. I've probably rewatched game seven at least 10 to 12 times in my life. So
1: (laughs) yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, it never gets old. And I, uh, just before we started recording, I was talking to, to Rod Brennamore, um, and asking him about, um, you know, the wins in that series and, uh, it's amazing to me, and we've heard it. And we've heard him talk about it before. We've heard Justin Williams mention it before. But just the the sense of calm in the Hurricanes locker room before that Game Seven, um, you know, it, it, the biggest game of of their careers, you know, by far, at least for Justin Williams, up until that point, for Rob more probably his entire career, and to to just hear how calm everybody was, and um, that sense of finality that was looming, you know, 60 minutes away, one way or the other, you knew it was going to be over, but the Hurricanes and that group in that locker room, uh, so talented, so confident they knew they could go out there and win. And they were incredibly loose and, you know, they weren't stressed or, um, you know, pressing at all. Uh, and I think then it showed, I think you saw a team go out there and just play with, um, an unbelievable amount of confidence and swagger. And then of course the fans and the atmosphere, I think certainly helped drive the team to victory too. And it's, uh, it'll be fun to watch. Cause yeah, I, I've watched it, rewatched it a number of times. um, And it, it never gets old. Yeah. I feel like you notice little things too. Uh, mm-hmm. Each time you watch it, it's kind of like rewatching a show. You right. you sort of pick up on different things each time you rewatch it. I, I feel like it's the same with Game 7, even though you know exactly when Aaron Ward's going to score and and, and and Frank Caberlet and you know the empty netter's coming. But it's uh, it, little things that you, you might not have picked up on the first time through um, makes for an exciting rewatch. Yeah, definitely.
0: And no matter how many times I rewatch that, the last, I don't even, 10 minutes or so of regulation uh, yeah. will still always give me chills. I mean, especially... Just everyone standing and it's loud. I mean, we all know how amazing PNC can be during those moments, but that is that will forever stand out to me as as you know, kind of the pinnacle of this is how great this atmosphere and this fan base uh, are, and yeah. uh, just kind of proof to the world that that is how it is in, in Carolina. So, yep,
1: yeah, it's uh, that that atmosphere that night. I think really, really that whole playoff run, and I think too, it helped that. Um, the Hurricanes had some early playoff success in North Carolina. So they had that playoff run in Greensboro, um, their last season in Greensboro. Um, they made the playoffs uh, in Raleigh, uh, losing in the first round to the New Jersey Devils, and then made that deep run to the finals the next year. Um, and then obviously winning the Stanley Cup in 2006. But that that early playoff success... Um, Definitely, I think helped stabilize and and really grow the fan base here, um, because you know for for Peter Carmanos to to select this market and to have this vision that 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 hockey would would work here and and would thrive here, that you know maybe many people weren't considering in in the late '90s, um, and an area that's only grown since then. Uh, for him to have that vision and then bring the team here and then for that team to have the success that it had so early, I think played a huge role uh, in how successful this franchise has been. You can maybe make a similar argument for Vegas too and the success they had in year one and, and going all the way to the Stanley Cup final and um, sort of really galvanizing that fan base um, into what you see it as today. It's it's an incredible atmosphere. It's one of the most exciting uh, road buildings to to go see a game in. Um, but I think the, the the early playoff success here, even just making the playoffs um, early on in Raleigh and then just going to the finals uh, in 02 and obviously winning the cup in 06, but that helps build a fan base. And the Hurricanes, uh, the success that they had on the ice early on um, was incredibly important to really it's a, this, this whole his this whole North Carolina history that the team has had.
0: Definitely. Yes. Uh, I mean, I can, I can speak to that. I was, I was born in 1994. So I'm, you know, six, seven years old during the first cup run. Um, and I, that's when I, I mean, I started watching every game and that's when I started playing as well. So um, I know that back then it had that surge. I know that the same thing is happening now with a lot of, you know, younger kids getting into the game. And I, I think that it's awesome. When I, remember growing up in Raleigh, there were, you know, a couple rinks. There's been the rec zone back in the day before it was RCI. Yep. Uh, you know, the Iceplex has been around. But, um, you know, now you've got all the rinks at the factory and there's rinks all around the surrounding areas. So um, it's, it's awesome. Whenever people ask me about hockey in North Carolina, because I, I currently live in Georgia now, and I get questions about it whenever it comes up because, you know, here people are, it's just kind of a, a different thing. Um, and they'll ask like, Oh, is it, is it big there? And like you, you have a rink there. I'm like, Oh, you have like, you know, seven or eight in the area, at least yeah. it's, it's a pretty popular sport. So, um, it's always been really cool to, to think about how much it's grown in, in the Raleigh area. And, you know, definitely going into the Stanley cup. will do that. And you mentioned teams like Vegas. I mean, what a, what a story to do that in your first year ever and introduce your fan. You can't not be into it. It's just the right. NHL playoffs are so exciting, and specifically the Stanley Cup finals are so exciting that you can't not be into it. It's it's not physically possible that you enjoy sports in any way and you're not excited about that level of play. So it's 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 definitely a great way to grow the game, for sure, is having that early success.
1: Yeah, and I grew up uh, uh, in Kernersville, which is uh, a small town about 20 minutes west of Greensboro. Um, so when the team arrived in Greensboro in '97. I was, uh, what was I, eight years old, I guess. Um, and that's sort of how I fell in love with hockey. Um, and the team making that postseason run there last year in Greensboro in 99 when I was 10, I had the opportunity to, to go to game five, which was uh, a game that they unfortunately lost in double overtime and then ended up losing the series, obviously, the next game in Boston. Um, but just experiencing that... Um, the game of hockey live and not only hockey, but playoff hockey. So that intensity, that, uh, the passion, the, um, yeah, everything is elevated. You know, I saw, I, I saw a lot of regular season games, you know, when, when the team was in Greensboro, cause it was such a short drive and tickets were readily available. Um, but uh, to experience playoff hockey, that, that really, you know, that, that really gets you invested, uh, in the game, uh, and to, to be able to experience that live, um, is, is, is an absolute treat. And so you fast forward 20 years later to 2019 when the hurricanes are are finally back in the Stanley cup playoffs. Um, you know, it's been 10 years since this market has experienced that excitement, that thrill, um, and for this team to do what they did last year and um uh beat the defending Stanley Cup champions in seven games in the first round sweep in the second round and even though they got swept in the Eastern Conference final um that deep playoff run you know much like 2009 uh is going to galvanize a portion of the population here that has never experienced that right. hockey before that has never experienced that passion that intensity um, playoff hockey. And I have no doubt that, um, you know, the hurricane success last year has, 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 I would say maybe introduced a whole new generation of hockey fans to the game. Um, and that's, that's why, that's why it's important. Markets like this markets, like Raleigh market, you know, your smaller town markets, you know, if, if, if you want to call them that your non-traditional markets are, this is how you grow the game is by putting hockey in these places that might not otherwise um, have been exposed to it and then giving them a product that you just can't take your eyes off of. Uh, and the Hurricanes have, have finally got them uh, themselves back into a position where... They're going to be poised for success for for years to come, and um, and that's going to uh, really, I think, drive uh, interest in hockey again in this region. I don't I don't think it ever died down. Um, really, you look at any market. Look at Detroit, where they have a brand new building. It's gorgeous, probably the most beautiful building uh, in the league right now. But they struggle to draw people because they are not a great hockey team. Um, so no market in the NHL, aside from maybe Montreal, maybe Toronto is immune to, um, a period where the team is struggling and the hurricanes went through that. And I think they're on the other side of it now to where, uh, you know, they're, they're going to see success. And with that, you're going to see, um, the passion in the fan base and the size of the fan base grow. And that's, that's vitally important.
0: Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with everything you said. It's funny you mentioned Montreal. I was at, I went to Montreal uh, for the game at the end of February with a group of friends and around town, you know, we're, we're all wearing our jerseys and everything um, right around the Bell Center, getting some food and everything before. And so many people are just coming up to us and saying like, yeah, you guys are going to win tonight. <laughs> I just thought that was so funny. Like the the lack of faith they had in their team or just the joke that like, yeah, we're not that great this year. But the fact that you still walk into that building and there's 21,000 people there, like it's just, that is, that is the culture. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's the same everywhere. If, if you're, if you're not putting out a great product, it's just, you know, and the, and the, prices don't come way down it's just you're, yep. you're less likely to to you know spend your money on it because it's it's not as valuable to you so what the hurricanes are doing now the product they're putting on the ice is just so valuable to everyone that uh you know it's it's inevitable that the tickets are going to get bought and the and the fans are going to be there every game and and i think now like just like you said the fact that i think that they they've really people trust in the plan for sure i mean you you look at a lot of teams, whenever they make a move or, or anything, at whether it's a, a contract signing or a trade or a, you know free agency, anything of the like, and everyone wants to judge it. And you see fan bases where there's a lot of distrust and everything that the management does. You know, yeah. they, they don't they don't quite understand why they were doing it. To me, every every fan defends everything that the management group does in Carolina now, and it's because uh, you know I think it's, it has a lot to do with the fact that Tom Dundon is is kind of like very clear. And he's just a, a I don't want to say blunt cause that sounds negative, but like he he's, he's honest. He's very mm. much like Rod Moore in that the way, when he communicates, you know, there's no sugarcoating anything. He's going to tell you what he's, he wants out of a situation or, or what he plans to do. And, and Don Waddell, I think is, is uh, smart with the way he addresses these things as well. You know, he gives you enough information to, to keep you in the loop. Uh, so you're not constantly guessing as to what the team's plan is. And now everyone's kind of bought in to the plan and, and trust that this team is set up for success into the future. So I, I don't even think, you know, if, if the Hurricanes were to not make the playoffs this season or next season, I don't think you'd see really a dip because we we've all bought into the idea and we know that, hey, we're in this for the long haul. We think this team is going to be a championship team. You know, if it's not next year, we have a chance to do it the year after that and the year after that. And that is what is so exciting to be a part of because when you're waiting for, you know, one every 10 years to have a chance at winning, it's right. like, it makes that year great, but it's also, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on, you know, around that, that you, you are still excited because you love the team, but it's hard to be as excited about it. And, and, you know, they've just, they're really set up for continued success. So I think we're all definitely uh, into that
1: for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, I, you can see um, the foundation that's been laid um, and I think it, it took some time, I think. And I think Ron Francis and and what he did in his time as, as general manager um you know deserves some credit for for building um uh, some of that foundation through uh the draft and um you know having the, the draft picks of this team had the number of draft picks that this team had and continues to have. Uh, it's honestly sort of mind blowing, but yeah. it's all done from from a standpoint of um, uh, trusting the numbers and, and having um, the the thought of of having more darts to throw at a dartboard, basically. Right. Um, you know, in the crew. Career- Terms. Um, the more darts you have, the better chance you have at, at hitting a bullseye. And the Hurricanes uh, certainly hit a bullseye with with Sebastian Ajo in the second round. If you were to go through that draft again, probably wouldn't be a second round pick. Um, look at Jacob Slavin and and how DP was drafted. Um, Andre Svechnikov was obviously uh, a, a bullseye hit, but that sort of fell into the Hurricanes' lap. Um, but that's important too. I mean, it, it is important. Um, you know, I don't think it can be understated how important that that lottery win was because it gave this team um, a player who's going to be uh, an impact player for for years and years to come. Um, but you can see the foundation that's been laid, um, and then it's about just building on top of that. And I think last year, uh, last season, I guess I should say, uh, twenty eighteen nineteen being a good foundational building block of, um, you know, this is what the hurricanes are all about. Um, this is what's expected. This is what head coach Rod Brennamore wants to see from his team. Uh, and now you have to build on top of that. And I think what you saw out of this team this year, the 2019, 20 team, um, I, I think it maybe struggled to find an identity for, for a little while. Um, But if you look at the way the team was playing uh, post-trade deadline, which won a pretty active trade deadline uh, that I'm not sure any of us were were kind of considering would happen just given this team's history. But I think injuries did factor into that a bit. Um, But the way the team came together on that last road trip, um, that game on Long Island in Nassau Coliseum, Almost felt like a playoff game, like a a, a game of importance. Um, when you looked at that road trip to start off, that game in Philadelphia, I thought was the toughest game of the road trip because um, you were running into a team that uh, had been playing so well and so well at home, uh, and I think was better than a lot of people gave them credit for. Um, so at, it, when the Hurricanes lost that game, it was disappointing, but I looked at it as okay you can still come back win a few games and be fine but still that that saturday game in long island on long island carried a bit of weight to it um and to see how how well the hurricanes played in that game and for vince and trochek to get his first goal with the team uh and then to come out the next night in pittsburgh the next afternoon in pittsburgh uh and to have morgan geeky do what he did um it was just and alex nadelkovic and that um to see the way this team came together that last stretch of the road trip, I'd really like to see where they could continue on. You know, if there was some sort of resolution to the regular season, if there was an expanded playoffs, whatever. Uh, but I feel like they were just starting to hit their stride and maybe playing their best hockey all season long, even with the list of injuries that they had, I think they might've been, um, you know, playing some of their best hockey right before the season was paused um, and you know when or where or how or you know with who it picks back up with, we don't know, but uh right. but hopefully we see some kind of conclusion just to to be able to put a bow on this season and and to see if the hurricanes can build on what they were able to do last season.
0: Oh, yeah, that's what we're all hoping for. all right, Michael, I'll let you go after this. I uh, got a quick Twitter question for you. And it is from Andy Elliott at Andy Elliott, 1999. If you had to pick a three on three team, what players in hurricane history would you have on your team?
1: Yeah. I've given this some thought cause I saw that question. Um, and it's interesting because I'm, you know, there's so many parameters that I want to like establish for this question. Right. Cause like Paul coffee was a Carolina hurricane. Was he, you know, Hall of Fame Paul Coffey when he played for the Hurricanes, he's, you know, he's on the back of it. He played two of his last three seasons with the Hurricanes. So, right. you know, I, I don't know, but he's an intriguing option because he is a Hall of Famer and he's right. uh, he's known for, uh, you know, his his skating and his ability to create offense. But then I wonder, like, okay, if you're playing three on three in today's game, does you know Paul Coffey from the the late '90s. Does he fit into that? Um, do you even need a defender? That's the other thing. <laughs> right? Are yeah. you just are you going for it, or are you trying to at least you know give yourself? Um, yeah. Are you are you just offense all the way, or are you are you trying to to play it like a coach would now with at least one defenseman out there? So then maybe you put Dougie Hamilton because he plays today's game. He plays three on three. Um, he understands, you know, all of that. Or do you go with somebody like Yoni Pikinen who um, also can skate and has those offensive tendencies was kind of an in-between, you know, didn't play in the time of three on three, but probably could have. Um, right. Or do you just load up with like, you know, Aho and Svechnikov and, and Tara Uh, And I know that's all recency bias because they're all on the current team. Um, so I, it, it, it's, it's such a good question because you can make arguments uh, for anybody. But I think if uh, let's uh, – I'll at least answer the question and, and give three, I think, uh, a line of uh, – a solid line of three players. Um, I think you have to go with Sebastian Ajo because he's uh, such a smart, cerebral player. He can create plays. He can score. Um, he's quick. He's sort of built for the three-on-three game. I think then you have to go with Andrei Svechnikov because of how much of a pure scoring talent he is. Um, I will. And then I kind of want to go. Oh, this is